No checklist completed is going to save you. No bucket list is going to save you. No amount of blood, sweat, and tears that you've poured out in your life is going to save you. No amount of cash or worldly possessions is going to save you. You can't take it with you. You'll be dead. Buddha can't save you. Gandhi can't enlighten you. The Pope can't absolve your sins. The saints can't pray you into eternal life. Muhammad can't fix you. Allah isn't able. No president, no legislation, no Supreme Court justice, no state or nation or leader or celebrity, no one can save you because there is salvation in no one else. That's right, everybody. There is no salvation in anyone but Jesus Christ. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Bearded Bible Thinker. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, eternal security or, uh, the idea that, uh, once a person, this is the, the uh, regular English version of this, the idea that once a person is, uh, saved, once a person is in Christ, uh, they cannot, uh, uh, be outside of Christ. Again, this, this is a, an eternal status. It's something that cannot be taken away or, given away. And that really is the the pull. So uh, what I want to do just right off the get, I the reason that I'm talking about this and thinking about this this morning is that um, I ran across uh, this uh, tweet um, uh, this morning as I was uh, jumping through here. And it, it's, um, you know, uh, I think everything here is kind of in, in uh, good faith that people are talking about this and you don't actually find a lot of things on Twitter in which people are just having a cordial conversation. So it's nice. Um, this young lady says, uh, once saved, always saved is not a license to sin. She says, saved people are changed, regenerate, This means that if they sin, they will be very uncomfortable and feel very convicted. That's one of the fruits of salvation. If a person is sinning with no remorse or conviction, that's a sign they were never saved or born again. Many of the passages about, quote, loss of salvation, end quote, are actually highlighting salvation never achieved. So the reason that she is uh, saying this is because there is a belief out there, part of the kind of movement known as free grace, um, uh, which is misleading because, of course, grace is free. That's the uh, that's the, the definition of something being grace uh, is that it's by nature undeserved and unearned, and therefore it is freely given. Um, so, but there's there's this uh, idea out there that if you are uh, saved, um, uh, then you can kind of do whatever you want. There's this, uh, so because in, in the scriptures, it says that, um, that if, if you, uh, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, right? That like, there are, uh, are verses in the new Testament that make it that simple, right? That it is that simple. Um, and so what we don't want to do is add to those things, really. Uh, we, we don't want to add uh, uh, to the scriptures. That That's what the Pharisees did. That's how um, uh, all of the uh, religious elites throughout all of church history, um, including in the, the scriptures themselves, that's how they get in trouble, right? That's how we get into trouble. When we, when we take something that maybe was a command of God or uh, 
uh, an add to that to make the command more strict or put fences around to make the command. So when we do something like that, or especially, so this is like the definition of heresy. Um, when, when we take the gospel of Christ and add something to it, add some requirement to it. And so whenever we uh, talk about um, someone needing to uh, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, but also to repent of their sins and turn from their sins, uh, some people interpret that as uh, uh, adding to the free gospel offer of Christ. However, um, however, the several places in the New Testament, uh, it also says repent and believe, <laughs> um, uh, including from the uh, the mouth of Christ himself, uh, re- repent and believe in the gospel, right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Um, and so uh, there, there is an expectation, is, is what we, we might say. Um, there's an expectation that if one is uh, a Christian, if someone has become a Christian, has been born again, there's an expectation of repentance. The repentance itself isn't salvific in nature. The, the repentance doesn't save you. Um, it is an evidence of God having already regenerated you. And so... Um, that is uh, that. So there's there's kind of a, a struggle there because there there are some in sort of this free grace movement. And if if I'm uh, uh, misrepresenting it, uh, uh, please someone uh, reach out and correct me. Um, but from just what I've observed and heard, it seems as though the free grace movement is. Uh, it loosens salvation to the point that um, if someone believes and thereby they're saved, even if there's no evidence of that salvation, meaning no life change, no radical anything, um, uh, no uh, signs of repentance, no um, uh, none of these things that we go to in the Scriptures for assurance of salvation, right? Like fruits of the Spirit, the, the Beatitudes. None of these things describe you, but because you believed, um, you're good to go, you're saved. Um, and I think that that is a miss, um, uh, it's a, it's a complete miss <laughs> of, of what, uh, scripture teaches. Uh, we can't, it's, it's a, it's an example of taking one verse and building an entire theology around it, or a few verses and building an entire, G, entire theology around it. While at the same time to do so, you have to really ignore, um, the, the, uh, uh, several other scriptures, um, like repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, uh, you, you have to, so uh, that'll get me off track. So the, 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 it's easy to get off track when, when I'm talking about, uh, theological things, but, um, so the idea behind why she uh, would say this in the first place, once saved, always saved is not a license to sin. Someone actually asked me in, um, our, uh, community group Sunday night about this idea, this once saved, always saved. And uh, my response a lot of times is, um, and I explained this when I answered the question, but the the response a lot of times needs to be, what do you mean by that? Uh, like so many 
uh, like so many responses, right? Are you a Christian nationalist? Ah, well, what do you mean by that, <laughs> right? We we have to we have to define everything in our culture today because there are everybody has their own cute little definition for everything, right? Well, once saved, always saved. This phrase um, has. Uh, uh, um, connotations with it. It has baggage with it on one end or another. Um, and so uh, when when someone says once saved, always saved, I need to know, are you thinking about, are you asking me if I'm, if I'm uh, on board with the, the free grace idea that once someone is saved, meaning once they, uh, once they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are saved. And therefore, uh, even if there's never any, like never any uh, um, um, evidence for uh, their salvation, even if like that, that so-called belief doesn't accompany anything uh, in your life, isn't accompanied by anything in your life that would show the world that you are a Christian, um, you're, you're saved and you can never lose that salvation. Um, well, no. Um, I don't, I don't buy that because I don't think the scripture teaches that. Uh, James, um, so, okay, let, let me, I, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Um, so, uh, the, the other thing is, uh, in the more kind of reformed theological movements, um, they're developed during the reformation, what was known as, um, or solidified during the reformation, what was known as, uh, eternal security. Um, or the perseverance of the saints, uh, and that's this idea that that yes, once saved, always saved. That that, that once once a person ha- has um, has been born again, uh, you cannot. Um, uh, Nicodemus uh, uh, was thinking about physical birth, but when Nicodemus was asked about this uh, or told this by Christ in John chapter three. Uh, he he immediately thought, well, this is ludicrous. Uh, what, what what are you talking about? Is someone supposed to enter their mother's womb a second time and then be born again physically? What what do you even mean by that? It just made no sense to him. It was kind of a mind explosion moment, and um and so it it the very fact I think that Jesus uses being born again, um. The very fact that uh, in, in other places we are called new creations, um, these these analogies in and of themselves uh, should demonstrate to us that this isn't something that can go backwards. Um, at at when when there's a heart of stone that has been taken out, this is in the prophets, right? As far back as that, when there's a heart of stone that has been taken out and a heart of flesh that has been put in, that means that there's legitimately a different heart, a new heart. You're a new creation. You are. Um, you are. If if I uh, uh, reshape some clay thing that I've made, even if that clay thing doesn't function right sometimes, it never becomes the old thing it was. Um, and, and, and there's another biblical analogy, potter and clay, right? Um, when, when you are born again, spiritually born again, you cannot be unborn again. That, that doesn't even make sense. Um, so, so what, one of the evidences I think is what we can look at the analogies in the scriptures that, that are used by Christ, by Paul, by the prophets. Um, and, and we can, we can see pretty clearly, I think that, that this, um, uh, 
even the lost sheep, right? That when one sheep goes astray, Jesus leaves the 99 and goes and gets that sheep. Like you're not getting away. It's not happening, period, flat out, right? And that sheep goes away because it wants to at the moment, right? It wanders off into other dumb things, right? Um, so this is this is a picture of a Christian who, who may even be actively running from God in certain moments in their life. Um, but you're not allowed to. At the end of the day, you will be pulled back. Christ will come and get you. Okay? So all of the analogies, all of the word pictures in the scriptures that talk about salvation, like like um, that, that are clearly talking about once you have become a, a, a sheep, um, once you are actually in the fold, once you are born, you cannot be unborn. Once you've been shaped by God into, uh, um, uh, specifically into a vessel for honorable use, right? Romans nine, you, um, you aren't going to be unshaped, right? That's not how, how it works. So all of these analogies in the scriptures teach that once you're saved, you, are, uh, there's an inability then to, for, for that to go backwards, for that to be undone. Um, and, and that's important because I, I think, um, I know, uh, some of you are going to hate me for even saying this name. Uh, some of you are going to love me more for saying this name, but, uh, one of my favorite John MacArthur quotes is, uh, when he said, if I could lose my salvation, I would, um, or maybe he said you, if you could lose your salvation, you would. But um, uh, I really love that because it's so true. It's like, okay, at what point, uh, this is another problem for those who, who I think believe that a person can lose their salvation is you have to like think about, okay, well, at what point is it lost, right? At what point is it too far? Have you gone too far? Um, what, is there a particular sin? Is there a particular amount of sins or is there uh, a particular attitude that once you foster it, okay, you know, um, is it some kind of skewed definition of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, uh, that, okay, oh, well, once that happens, it's over, right? Uh, what, what is it? Is there a trigger, right? For you to be unsaved all of a sudden, um, and so that's that's another issue that comes with this, and and I think uh, what uh, one of the responses here um, is from a young lady who uh, just under this, you can see this on the screen if you're watching this, if you're listening, uh, she says, "I used to believe in once saved, always saved, because I was taught it is true." I'm not sure where I stand on that now that I study the Bible uh, for myself. I'm still studying, but Hebrews 3.12, Galatians 5.4, James 5.19 and 20, etc. seems to reveal a Christian can depart from God. Um, so that's all the further we're going to go into the Twitter thread. But what I wanted to do real quick is just kind of address these, uh, these um, few verses that she put down here. Now, she has etc. there. I, I understand this isn't even meant by her to be a... Uh, 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 a substantial or complete list of all of the scriptures that um, that are in the in in the Bible that that seem to indicate something different than um, than what I'm trying to say theologically. But 
Uh, but but I do want to address these few that she brings up because this is the real struggle for people to kind of understand uh, because there are scriptures that that like uh, out of their context or without thinking about original language without thinking about what's being said or what the point of that text is that can lead someone to kind of believe right that uh, certain things um, like I could potentially lose um, my salvation so. Um, so I want to I want to talk about this uh, for just a few minutes. Hebrews three twelve. We're going to go to that first, um, and uh, Hebrews three twelve specifically is part of a bigger warning, uh, a, a lengthier warning that that stretches through verse nineteen actually of uh, chapter three. And and frankly, there are um, there are I, I believe five different uh, warning passages in the book of Hebrews. So this isn't even the only place. Like this is just one of the places I think that. People tend to go to 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 talk about this argument, um, and uh, so Hebrews three twelve says, "See to it, brothers, that there are not uh, that there not be any one of you in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God." So that's the um, that's the that's the verse. See to it, brothers, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Um, but encourage. I'm going to continue to read uh, to the end of uh, this this short little warning, and I'm not going to go through all the other warnings in Hebrews because, frankly, they're all of the same sort of nature. They're all uh, making this a similar point to a similar audience. Okay, um, so this is just going to be a brief example. I'm going to read the rest of this, but then I'm actually, uh, I think, I'll I'll actually only talk about verse 12. But uh, but we always have to do things in context, right? Um, and just before this um, text, it's uh, it's talking about Jesus being the greater Moses. Um, in uh, verses ten and eleven, it says it's a quote. Uh, it's a quote from Psalm ninety-five, uh, and he says, "Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, as they did not know." Uh, my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, uh, entering God's rest is going to be a a theme, as you can see in chapter four. Um, the believer's rest is what uh, this, this is the LSB that I'm reading from. The believer's rest is the title of, of chapter four that, that has been put there by man. It's not inspired, so don't go too crazy with that. But um, but and then we have this warning nestled in between that. Okay, uh, see to it, brothers, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is uh, still called today, uh, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end, while it is said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts uh, as when they provoked me. Uh, for who provoked him when they heard, when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses and with whom he was, uh, with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. So you see the theme is still um, entering into the rest of uh, of Christ. Um, and 
so he's going to continue that theme, but, but look at the last word, right? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Um, now there's a, a, one of my favorite verses in all of the scriptures is in Mark chapter nine. And it's this, uh, man whose, uh, child is, uh, in, obviously in a, in a bad way. Uh, and, uh, Jesus says, uh, do you believe I can do this? Uh, and he says, I believe help my unbelief. And I think that that honestly is where the cry of a lot of Christian hearts are a lot of times. It's, it's yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. God, help my unbelief. Because that there's, even though we believe, we believe or we wouldn't pray in this, in, to, to God and expectation and, and all of these things that we do. Um, but there's also this unbelief that, that just wells up within us so often. And so that is a struggle, right? So um, let's look at verse 12 specifically. This is the verse that she brings up. See to it, brothers, that there are that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart. There's that word again, unbelieving, right? Um, that falls away from the living God. Now, um, literally, the Greek there says, if you can see this, I don't know if you can see it or not. When I hover over that, there's a footnote there. Literally, when it says that falls away from the living God, the uh, it's it actually says in falling away from the living God, um, so uh, uh, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. And uh, maybe that doesn't change anything for you, but the point of uh, uh, that of that that falling away or a heart that can fall away from the living God, that falling away is where we get like kind of this idea of backsliding. And and that term is even used in the scriptures, right? Um, even in Hebrews, I believe that this, this idea of backsliding, um, and, uh, falling away from the living God, um, is, uh, falling away from the living God is, uh, is, I think, where some of the uh, tension comes from in our minds as we think about um, uh, once saved, always saved, um, or can I lose my salvation? Because this, if we think about it, right? He says, see to it, brothers, right? So it seems like, man, he's talking to Christian people. Um, and, uh, and yet, um, and yet, if if there exists in a in a an actual believer an evil heart an unbelieving heart this is not just a heart that experiences unbelief this is an unbelieving heart a heart that is characterized by its unbelief um and and so i think that there there's evidence right there right like that a, a, a christian um, does not have an evil heart, even though there are times that a Christian might experience evil in their heart, right? A Christian might is going to experience um, judgmental uh, uh, thinking. It's going to experience, um, uh, well, I mean, I could list a whole number of things, right? But you get the point. Christians are going to experience uh, these things. They're going to experience sin because we still have flesh. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Romans chapter seven. It, it, um, it highlights that even Paul, 
uh, is is battling with his own flesh and at times feels defeated until he preaches the gospel to himself all over again, until he begins to dwell on the gospel of Christ. Um, and so there is there is a, a reality, right, that, that um, the human heart, even the heart that has been made new, that is part of a new creation, is uh, experiences unbelief. Um, we experience uh, sin. Uh, we experience um, uh, uh, falling short of the glory of God, right? We might even experience a, a sort of falling away from God for a time, not not in some sort of indefinite way, but a falling away from God in the sense that we we've begun to uh, fall into some particular pattern of sin or uh, um, so, something like that, right? Um, but but this is this is uh, by no means talking about someone who has truly been regenerate, um, falling away from the living God and now all of a sudden not being regenerate. Uh, that that's actually reading something into the text here, uh, because it, Christians don't have hearts that are characterized by being evil or unbelieving. That's not a thing. Um, on top of that, uh, the the warnings in Hebrews, we have to think about the the audience and the context of the whole book itself, right? Hebrews is written to the Hebrews. Right, it's written to Jewish Christians, um, and it is uh, it the the whole thing at the time, the whole struggle at the time uh, is that, uh, uh, and and we see this in other books, which um, uh, well uh, won't get into that. We we see it in other New Testament books, letters, and different things. Um, this this struggle that the Jewish Christians were having in particular, because uh, how how much Judaism. Uh, remains. What what do we still need to do? Um, there there's a, uh, a a freedom from the law because Christ fulfilled the law. So the ceremonial law uh, is is no more because the the whole reason for it has been fulfilled. Christ has come, right? Um, and he accomplished what he accomplished, and it is finished. Period. Done. Uh, so. Um, there, there's freedom from a lot of that, from s- some of the, the, the law that now, because it's been fulfilled, because Christ has fulfilled it now, keeping some of those things is simply baggage. Um, and so there was a tendency when their faith waned, when they struggled in their faith to go back. There was a pull to go back to all that they knew, right? The, the and serving God in the, this specific way, and so when when there would be uh, experiences of unbelief in true Christians, there would be a pull back to Judaism, and so that was uh, that was kind of a, a struggle uh, for a lot of Jewish Christians. My phone is ringing right now. Um, all right, there we go. Uh, th- there was a struggle for a lot of Jewish Christians, and. Um, uh, let me let me actually do not disturb that because it'll get crazy in a second. Okay, um, th- there's a struggle there because, like any of us, right? Uh, even if let's just say you were raised in a specific church denominational kind of setting, um, 
and you come to a different kind of understanding of the scriptures. This is true for me. You come to a different kind of understanding of the scriptures once you read it for yourself and, and, uh, and those kinds of things. Um, and, uh, and, and there, there are going to be times when you're going to be pulled back into, um, so I'll, I'll give you just a brief example, right? I come from a background that, um, in the church, I was raised in the church, but I was raised in a very legalistic, uh, denomination of, and, of, um, not denomination isn't the right, uh, because it's not, the whole denomination isn't really, really legalistic, but, um, the geography, uh, where I grew up, the culture in which I grew up was a very legalistic culture, uh, meaning that they added to uh, the scriptures. There there was not only the Bible that you had to adhere to, but there was the little blue book of their uh, particular doctrine that they subscribed to that you had to adhere to, um, and and which is the very definition of adding to the scriptures, <laughs> right? Um, and so uh, that's how I grew up. So there are still times, frankly, when I can fall back into uh, myself even being legalistic or overly harsh and ju- judgmental uh, on maybe a situation in which someone wasn't breaking any scriptures, but maybe just breaking some uh, uh, minor conviction that I have uh, personally. So uh, that this is this is just something that that happens. So um, the Hebrews were going through this. The Jewish Christians uh, struggled with this. Um, that there was a struggle uh, uh, with um, how Jewish do we require the the Gentile Christians uh, to be? Uh, do do we require circumcision? Do we require uh, um, that they abstain from certain foods? Do we require that they not eat bacon? Right, like th- there were these questions that were surfacing in the the church in the first century, um, and uh, and so when when um, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, and you don't have to believe that. That's not like a, 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 a but anyway, I, I think whenever whenever this was written. Um, I believe by Paul, what, what's being said here is he's talking to those Jewish Christians and he's urging them, don't go back. He's just said in, in the, the uh, section above, Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is the fulfillment of Moses. There is nothing better than Christ. He's already said in the book, Jesus is greater than the angels. He outranks the angels. He's, he's making this case throughout the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the point of all of these things. There is no more temple. Jesus was the fulfillment of all of the things in the temple. And we now are the temple. We, uh, our bodies are a temple. Um, all of these things that that are being uh, said in uh, Hebrews are all about Jesus being the better, uh, uh, Jesus being the completion, the fulfillment. Um, and so, when he issues these warnings in Hebrews, uh, without diving into each of them specifically in, in lots of detail, the the gist of these warnings is that uh, he is um, the gist of these warnings is that he is uh, um, pushing them to uh, to examine themselves to continue. He says, "See to it, brothers." Um, uh, that there not be in any one of you. So he's he's urging them. He's exhorting them. Look in your heart. Um, uh, pay attention to your life. Look and and make sure. 
make sure that in you there is not an evil and unbelieving heart that uh, that this this uh, so-called salvation that you claim isn't a temporary false assurance that you've gained uh, by some uh, 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 so-called belief um, and he's urging them to work out their salvation with fear and trembling uh, and and if there and see if there be any wicked way in me right like we uh, we see David asking and um, so that's that's the actual idea behind this. If if you are a Christian, then you are a new creation. You have been born again, uh, uh, and and you can't be unborn. You can't uh, be made into a an old creation once you become a new creation. Um, that's not how this works. So if there exists a legitimately evil heart. Um, um, and a legitimately unbelieving heart, not just a heart that experiences evil at times, that is bent toward evil sometimes, that is bent toward unbelief at moments, uh, but a heart that is described, that can be characterized by evil and unbelief. If that is in you, then you, by definition, are not a Christian. Um so what's what's the next one? I'm gonna run through these next two um, a little bit more quickly. Galatians five four. Um, so let me go to Galatians five four. I should probably highlight that first, huh? Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. Galatians five four. The the actual verse itself is: You have been uh, severed from Christ. You who are being justified by law, you have fallen from grace. So, um, the this is a, this is really talking about the same thing. Um, uh, uh, those who uh, let's let's read from the beginning of the paragraph in verse two. Behold, I Paul say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are being justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Um, For we through the Spirit by faith are eagerly waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. So he's actually just making a point here. He's not, he's, and the point, he's not talking at all about um, uh, a truly born again person, again, who um, is able to be severed from Christ or fall from grace. He's talking about, so Jewish people before Christ, um, so no one was ever uh, declared righteous because of their keeping of the law, because no one has kept the law. All have fallen short of the glory of God. That's what that means. Uh, But here, one of the things that, or really the chief thing that Paul is arguing about is the very same thing that I was just talking about, uh, and that is that uh, there there was a tendency to rely on the old things. It was Christ and, um, and and he's saying, if that's your attitude, if that's what you're depending on, if you're if you're dependent upon uh, Christ, we'll say, and your keeping of the law, then actually you're not dependent on Christ in the first place, because it's either Him or the law. That's those are the options before us, right? Um, there are two ways to salvation. Okay, 
which um, sounds heretical. I said this in in a sermon not too long ago, and I and I had to immediately say, okay, now calm down. You'll get what I mean here in a minute. <laughs> but um, but when uh, there there are two ways that a person can be righteous before God. It is uh, through Christ's righteousness because He kept the whole law. Uh, perfectly, he uh, fulfilled the law, uh, all of these things. Or the alternate way that a person can come before God, can stand before God justified and uh, declared righteous in the judgment is is by, for every millisecond of their entire life, uh, their entire being is loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They never veer from any of the laws of God, from any of the moral law, even for a split second. They love their neighbor uh, completely in the way that the Bible means, not in the way that our world talks about it. Uh, and, and so, Long story short, you keep the entirety of of God's expectations for you, and you live that out to a T for every moment of your entire life. And yeah, you would stand before God justified. You would be able to. You'd be the only human in all of human history that would be able to stand before God someday at judgment um, and be able to say, "All right, I did it. I got in. Um, I obeyed. Uh, so let me in." Um, uh, but the reality is we know, right? Because it says in several places, things like uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, and uh, Romans chapter three is one of my favorite places for that. It talks about none are righteous. No, not one. He's quoting from other places in the Old Testament there. And uh, there's this whole barrage that Paul gives of uh, uh, to make the point, you are not saved by yourself. You don't even want God. None seek for God. Seeker-sensitive movement, abolished right there, right? That's not a thing. People aren't looking for God. People are looking for the benefits that God provides while at the very same time not wanting it to come from God and obedience to him. Um, and so uh, this this whole idea being talked about here in Galatians 5 is we're still dealing with the same exact thing that we were dealing with in Hebrews. There are a, a group of folks, the first Christians were Jews, right? And um, uh, and and so we're, we're talking about folks who um, are have a tendency to either require others uh, more than Christ, uh, require of others more than just Christ, like the circumcision or, or that kind of thing in this particular text, circumcision, or we're talking about folks who are themselves still falling back into relying on those things um, and, and Christ. Um, and if if that is so, here's here's the change or, or the difference, right? A, a truly uh, converted person, a truly born again, regenerate person, might fall into that or struggle with that or have to. But but the difference is they're going to take those things captive. They're going to struggle for a bit and then go ah. I've been doing this, and then they're going to come back to Christ and and repent and confess and and be rejuvenated and and in their faith. And a person who truly has been believing in uh, the law and just uh, attempting to put Christ on top of that, I mean, that's not going to get you anywhere. And that's what Paul is saying here. That's not even salvation. That's not even Christianity. You you're attempting to be saved by you, um, and and so that's that's not. Um, that's not okay. Uh, then the last thing that she goes to is James five nineteen and twenty. So let's go there very quickly. 
Okay. Um, and this is its own little paragraph here. So we're just going to read these two things, uh, these two verses. My, it says, My brothers, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, uh, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Um, so uh, if any of you, I, I have to imagine what she's talking about. If any among you strays from the truth... Um, I, I have to imagine what, what she's meaning is that if uh, those who uh, maybe stray from the truth, um, and, and this is someone who's among them, okay? If any among you, so people that you're in church with, uh, uh, that, that do things that maybe serve and all these things, uh, if any of among you strays from the truth, veers off the path, um, and, and one turns him back, uh, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error, so the subject is the person who's, um, who's guiding them back, who's pulling them back uh, uh, toward the truth, um, he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Um, and so the very idea here, it seems to be, it's see how this comes off. Okay. How she's reading this. It seems, uh, I could be wrong, uh, but it, it seems like how she's reading this is that, uh, uh, a, a sinner, someone who is among you, who's strayed from the truth, uh, is at a, in a place where their soul is, uh, um, is gonna die. Uh, and, um, uh, because his soul is in need of being saved from death. Right. Um, well, I think that uh, anytime we see a text like this, the what what we again what we can't do is um, uh, uh, what we can't do is tell uh, or create a theology uh, based off of one verse, right? So, uh, my brothers, if any among you strays from the truth, uh, one turns him back. Let him know that, and one turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Paul himself um, uh, does this uh, in uh, a few different places in the scriptures and in, in his writings, um, and he talks about turning people over to Satan, uh, which is really strong language. But it, it's it's just talking about like a, a sort of excommunication thing. Um, in which you you uh, put them out of the church uh, as a demonstration to them that look you you're not uh, saved um, and if you are you've strayed far enough that there's there's no evidence like I can't in good conscience claim that you are or tell someone else that you are in Christ um, and so it's a it's meant to be a wake up call because Paul will also. Um, just after that, he qualifies it. He's, he, he gives like, I've turned them over to Satan so that on the day of visitation, the day of judgment, when Christ comes, when they're standing before the judgment seat of Christ, they will have been saved. Um, so, so he's doing that in an effort to show um, that, uh, to show the person that, look, we love you, um, but you need to repent and uh, because uh, judgment is coming. Right. And so there's, um, uh, so this, that's the idea. Okay. Uh, if one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death, will cover a multitude of sins. 
um, the term sinner, uh, first of all, is used here. Um, generally, when Paul is describing true believers, he refers to them as saints. Um, sinner is is uh, no longer our identity. Um, it is saint. If, if you're in Christ, you are a saint. Um, now, that's not to say, again, like I said before, it's not to say that you don't sin. Uh, of course, that's uh, true, that, that you sin, that you fall short of the glory of God still. You struggle. You, you have flesh that you deal with. Um, uh, but, uh, but by and large, the whole idea is, uh, um, I think, I think it's important to note here too, that if any among you, just because people are among us and claim to be Christians and even might look like Christians at times or for a seasons or, or whatever, doesn't mean that they are. I think that we're seeing that a lot in our own, um, in our nation right now, I think one of the the, the good things that is happening uh, because of the cultural downslide, uh, uh, or maybe it's been down, uh, it's been going downhill for a long time. Uh, but but the the more obviously insane cultural things, um, I think that uh, in um, recent. Uh, times, one of the good things that is coming from that is, is there's a bit of like, uh, separating the sheep from the goats that's happening a little bit. There, there's a bit of like, it's becoming easier to spot Christians that actually take the Bible seriously, that actually do, uh, 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 attempt to obey the scriptures that do treat the scriptures like they're infallible and inerrant. And, um, and that maybe God had something to do with those. <laughs> and, um, and then there are those who have claimed to be Christians for a long time, who, uh, even are, uh, pastors and, and in leadership positions and roles and denominational roles who are showing, I think more clearly that men, uh, like you're so off base right now. I'm not even sure that I could say that you're a, a believer, um, and I'm I'm not talking about people who are are you know like still falling in uh, under the orthodoxy, but but I'm talking about folks who are maybe uh, uh, in a you know like the churches who are hiring like transgender pastors and stuff like that. Um, uh, so that that kind of like there's a separation that's happening, and I think that it's important to remember that if any among you does not mean that there are uh, Christians um, in this scenario, that these people are Christian people. That Jesus very plainly talks about goats being with the sheep. He talks about uh, tares among the wheat. Um, and so when the harvest comes, eventually when Christ comes, he's going to separate all of those things. Um, there, there's going to be uh, a time in which Christ comes and all of those goats are made known. And the true sheep, uh, those who have been born again, are going to be uh, made known. And until then, there will be some among us who uh, stray and sometimes they're going to be actual Christians who will be pulled back in. And sometimes they will be un, like truly unbelievers who will be uh, then convicted and pulled in for the first time. Sometimes they will be unbelievers who stray from the truth and realize, yeah, this is stupid. I'm not a Christian anyway. I think it's funny that it's, well, it's not funny. That's the wrong way to say it. But I think it's a, a goofy thing um, that, 
uh, a lot of in this um, sort of deconstruction culture that people uh, refer to themselves as, oh yeah, I deconstructed from Christianity, or I used to be Christian, but now I'm not. No, you didn't. <laughs> like maybe in the, in some sort of religious sense, but you you were never a Christian. Because once you're born again, you cannot be unborn again. The scriptures don't teach that. And so um, let me let me go. This is the end of James. It's the last couple of verses in the book of James that she gave us. Let me go up here um, to, to just kind of uh, prove a point here. Um, let's see. Um, okay. Um, all right. So here in, in, uh, chapter two, beginning in verse 14 of James, he says, what use is it brothers or what use is it? My brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, uh, can that faith save him? If your brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you uh, do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead by itself. So here, here's a description of the actual kind of faith that is either salvific or not. So someone can say, um, uh, someone can say, uh, I, I believe, and it's actually not saving faith. Um, uh, and, and I think that the, um, uh, a litmus test for this, uh, could be to insert Satan, right. Or Hitler or well, whatever, right. Uh, the, several people throughout, um, history, um, up to and including the character of, of Satan, uh, himself and, uh, his, his demonic, friends um they believe uh that christ was born they believe that jesus is the son of god they called him that they believe that he died they uh did the work uh they believe that he rose from the dead uh that so the, the point being there is a kind of belief um uh, that that isn't salvific, right? Satan's not going to heaven all of a sudden, right? Like Satan is 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 as the scriptures teach, going to be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Um, and so uh, this this is something that um, uh, that that is this is a helpful distinction, right? This, a lot of times people pit James and Paul against one another. Like James says, "You're saved by faith alone," and Paul says. Or, or James, or James says, "No, you're not." When Paul says that, but that's not what's happening here. I think that word, uh, that right there, um, is a really important thing, and it's it's the very part that gets skipped over all the time. What use is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Can that faith save him? He's talking about a specific kind of faith. Uh, he's talking about saving faith versus just some sort of goofy faith that doesn't produce any change, any works, any uh, 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 Christian uh, characteristics. That is not saving faith. You're not a Christian in the first place, if that's the case. I think um, my... Um, 
my favorite place to go uh, to talk about um, to talk about this situation um, uh, of eternal security is John chapter ten, um, and beginning in verse twenty six um, to to end this, it's already been 50 minutes. So uh, this is a long podcast. So maybe you've already stopped listening. I hope not. But, um, Jesus himself says, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish ever. And no, this is, this is the important part. This last phrase in verse 28 and in verse 29, uh, he says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No, no one here would include the sheep. Okay. It, it, you're included in no one. Um, uh, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is great, has given Okay, this is past tense. It's over. You've been given. You are not your own. You've been bought, period. You can't be unbought, right? My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Um, and so uh, no one is an all-inclusive way to say this. It's it when when we um talk about uh some sort of magical ability because of free will uh for and we can talk about that in another podcast i don't have uh, you you don't have more time to um to to listen to me y- yipper yap about this but um when we when we talk about a sort of uh, some sort of way that a Christian can become a truly converted person can become truly unconverted. That's not what apostasy is. Uh, when when we talk about that, what we're doing is adding to this scripture. Um, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand except the sheep, if they'd like. <laughs> right? That's not what the scripture teaches. And I think that that's important, not just because we want to win arguments, but I think it's important because it instills confidence in us. It means that even if I've strayed, it means that even, if, man, sometimes if I've strayed really far away, right? Uh, because I've just let sin creep in and creep in and creep in. It means that oh, I'm still in and, and I, I can still come back to him. It instills a confidence that I have not been rejected because Christ was rejected for me. And I think that this is something that is, uh, is a really important um, doctrine for the Christian because it will help us when we think about um, our own assurance of salvation and our own assurance that he who began a good work in you will complete it. It is a sure thing. Um, that that is going to happen. He's going to complete it despite the pressures of the world on you. He's going to complete it despite safe, Satan sifting you like wheat. He's going to uh, complete it despite the uh, the the flesh in you. He's gonna he's gonna complete his good work in you despite you. Uh, 
And I think that that is one of the most glorious things in all of the scriptures for the Christian to dwell on. It, it has kept me going in dark times to think about that and to know that to be true about God. I am uh, 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 extra thankful that uh, my Father, who has given me to Christ, is greater than all and that no one, including me, is even able to snatch me out of the Father's hand. So have a blessed day. I hope this was worth your time.